Welcome to Engaging Culture, a podcast presented by Bridgeway Christian Church. I'm Brian Kiley. On today's episode, Pastor Lance Hahn and I will talk about how to pursue unity in a divided world. Uh, as we talk through, as we live through an especially divisive time in American history, many are expressing weariness at the divisiveness and the need for unity. But what does it mean to really seek unity? Why is that so difficult? And how can the church collectively and Christians individually be a force for unity in our divided world? All of that and more on this episode of Engaging Culture. Well, hello again, everybody. Welcome to season three, episode 26 of the Engaging Culture Podcast. Pastor Brian here with you, uh, joined by Pastor Lance. Good to see you, Lance. Good to see you, my friend. This is exciting to talk again. (laughs) Talk again. I was commenting right before we went on air that I feel like we just did this because we have our Sunday night after party broadcast, but we do also have a podcast that we do in theory, every other Tuesday, but we did not do it two weeks ago. And uh, so here we are again, talking to each other, headphones on in front of all of you. So, but we obviously have a very important subject to tackle today, and that is unity in the midst of a divided world. And this is, it's Tuesday, June 2nd, when we're recording this. So much is going on in our world. I I feel I feel personally just this sense of heaviness at the pain that is being experienced by so many different groups of people in this time. And before we kind of get into our main subject matter, I just thought we could just take a minute to kind of reflect on that a little bit, Lance. I mean, how how are you sort of processing what what we're seeing right now? And and just talk about kind of, I don't know, just your own reaction of just the the pain and and the hurt uh, that, that we're seeing all over the place right now. Yeah, I mean, this is a moment in time, right? And I want to highlight the fact that I understand it's Blackout Tuesday, right? It's hashtag the show must be paused. And yet we're recording a show. And a lot of that had to do with the fact that we didn't record one last time and we kept pushing it off and we actually have a a job to do. (laughs) And so this is part of our job. Um, And so we are filming today and we are recording today and going live today. I understand that on our other social medias, we've really kind of quieted down. So I want to acknowledge that first and foremost, this podcast and everything that is recorded for later is really for that purpose of later. Uh, So once again, if you're not engaging with that right now, because you are also adhering to that social media blackout, uh, that's beautiful. Um, So you were asking about how I'm dealing with it. So, so I run a podcast uh, as well called the thought revolution with Lance Hahn. And in there, I have really pushed for what I call the radical middle. And what that means is a position of wisdom, standing in the middle and taking wisdom from both sides. So I am very much of a look at both sides of the issue or actually look at all sides of the issue guy. And when it comes to this type of situation, I'm looking all the way around. Uh, So for example, the pain that you were referring to, uh, pain is pain no matter what side that you're on. And when this first started out, we were all lamenting the pain to George Floyd and George Floyd's family. Uh, and the black community. And uh, that was that was dominant on my heart. Um, unfortunately, as days have now moved forward, and once again, we're, we're recording in a moment of time. As of this moment in time, multiple officers have been shot and killed. And that, um, 
that breaks my heart as well. I think it is a misnomer to say that my heart can only break for one person at a time. I think, I think our hearts break for multiple people at a time. Um, and we have had a lot of recordings and discussions talking about how we love black and blue. And I don't need to rehash that right now, but I will tell you that the pain that you were talking about and me processing it, I'm going to hurt just as much for the uh, innocent uh, George Floyd that was murdered, as well as the innocent officers that have harm, been harmed and their families. I'm as a, as a Christian, I'm going to mourn with those who mourn, weep with those who weep. That's kind of how it works. And so once again, when it comes to compassion and loving, I don't choose sides. But what about you, Pastor Brian? How are you dealing with this? Yeah, I mean, and I think that's a critically important point that, and that's really the overarching point of a lot of this episode is that we don't have to choose sides. And and I see, just to kind of paint in broad strokes here, I, I see the pain expressed by the many peaceful protesters who are hurting so badly right now and who the, the incidents of this last week have awakened just extraordinary uh, pain and have, have activated uh, traumatic memories and, and just, again, a level of pain, I've said this before, that, that I, I can't fully understand because I haven't experienced it. And then I look at our law enforcement personnel who are seeking to protect people, who are standing in the face of, of violence, who are putting themselves in harm's way, who have husbands and wives and children and, and families. And what they are having to experience breaks my heart as well. And, and I, I admire the courage of peaceful protesters who are willing to really, on some level, put themselves in danger to advocate for justice. I admire the courage of our law enforcement community who they don't know. I mean, every, I mean this is true every day and they, that's why they have my respect every day. They don't know what they're going to face and yet they are being present. They're standing there, they're seeking good there. I mean, I, I'm so inspired by the stories of protesters and police officers engaging together with one another. But yeah, I, I, I love what you said that we don't have to pick sides when it comes to pain and that, that I, I just, my heart hurts for our law enforcement community. My heart hurts for the African-American community. My, my heart hurts for, for businesses that are, that are losing their businesses. Uh, my heart hurts for victims of violence anywhere and for any reason. And, and, and that's just, I guess my, my hope is that just even that the body of Christ can, can hopefully be united in our, our willingness to, like you said, weep with those who weep regardless of, of who they are and what they look like and what their job is. So, so my, yeah, I, I, I hope that certainly we as Bridgeway can do that and that the broader Christian community can do that as well. Yeah, I do want to share some honest frustration that has happened over the last day. And that is um, one thing I felt like the nation was starting to really focus towards um, what the issue of George Floyd's murder was bringing up. And I got really frustrated when the violence turned against the officers because it's changing the tone of the conversation away from George Floyd. And it's making the people that I was trying to reach dig in their heels more. Yeah. And so in my, in from a selfish point of view of wanting to really advance our nation, I felt like once the violence ended up being shared in any way, 
it shut down the conversation. And that really, really made me uh, frustrated because uh, there was such an important message that we were trying to get out and it kind of got hijacked. So that that's a frustration for me. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And and I think that's an important point that that ultimately when things when things begin to turn violent, yes. the ability uh, to, you know, you crush people with violence, you don't transform people with violence. So right. that really, you're right, it, it causes a digging in, it causes a an unwillingness to listen. And on some level, I sympathize with that. Like, yeah. I, I don't want to listen to people that are being no. violent. I, you know, so it's and and it's anyway. It, I think we're saying the same thing, and it and it really is. It's it's sad, and I, I just wanted us to start this episode by just acknowledging kind of us together, and then for those that are watching and listening later, man, it's rough, and and we want to weep with those who are weeping on every side, and we want to pray to we want to pray that that God would bring peace, that God would bring healing, that God would bring justice, and and all of those things. And we've got some things just for those of you watching live or listening live coming out later this week. Pastor Lance is gonna gonna have an important conversation that we'll have available for you publicly with uh, our dear friend Bishop Parnell Lovelace Jr. And we're gonna be partnering with them in some some prayer and fasting, and we'll have some information out for everybody later today. So. Um, just want to know we're we're staying engaged and staying involved. I, I think we're trying to be careful to not despair in in the pain, uh, but rather we want to just seek the Lord and see how can we be a force for good in this in this really painful time. Yeah, no, I think that's super good. Beautiful intro. Now we are talking about unity. Is there a possibility of having unity in such a time as this? I think that um, if we're going to talk about some things theoretically, they kind of really come head to head when you actually have a hard time. So is there a way to be unified? I, I recently um, wrote out an article that uh, said the radical middle of loving black and blue. Um, in that discussion, I'm trying to minister to the concept of unity, of actually yeah. allowing people to come together. So, so as you were designing this episode uh, and you were talking about the ideas of unity and why it's so important, uh, you had actually recently preached on this at Bridgeway in a yeah. sermon entitled Radical Unity. And yeah. can you give us a little bit of insight, kind of what that was about and why the, this unity concept is so important as a Christian value? Yeah, well, and I, I was I had the, the privilege of, of speaking on a passage from Ephesians 2 that talks a lot about unity. And, and you've, you've preached on Ephesians 2 recently as well, kind of this idea that, that Paul in that passage is talking about bringing Jews and Gentiles together. And something that you did that I really liked in part one of our Connecting to Church series is you really brought us in a deep dive to really understand just how divided Jews and Gentiles were, right? Because you can't understand... Yes how radical the unity that God had created was without understanding the severity of the division, right? And, and right. that was a really, really helpful study for us, I thought. And then in, in my sermon, I, I just thought, you know, I, I want to take the opportunity here to talk about uh, what is unity? How can we allow the unity that Jesus gives us to overcome anything that would seek to divide us? And, and because here's the thing, I think it's interesting in, in, in a divided world, I don't know if you're hearing this, like I'm hearing the word, oh, we need to be united, kind of thrown around a lot. And I think we're all saying it, but a lot of us don't really know what that means. Right. And, and a lot of us, uh, and I mentioned this in the sermon, right? We see the world as being very divided, but none of us think that we're part of the problem, right? And, okay. and the, the, what really is required of us is some level of humility to say, okay, to what extent am I 
Not yeah. somebody else, not the people who think differently than me, not people who look differently than me. To, to what extent am I fanning flames of division or to what extent am I really seeking to be in camaraderie and unity with, with my brothers and sisters around me and being a force for, for unity in my, my culture at large. So uh, the Bible speaks to unity a lot. Jesus in John 17 prays for, for unity in the church. I mean, the, the, the beauty of unity is referenced in the Psalms in a number of different places. And, and God talks about it a lot. And it's very clear from, from scripture that God does not want division to persist. And I'd love to hear a little bit more of your perspective, Lance, on why, why is unity such an important Christian value. Uh, and then maybe, I don't, I, I, maybe you could reflect a little bit on how you would even define uh, what yeah. Christian unity is. Yeah. So um, when we're talking about how important it is uh, in Jesus's longest recorded prayer before he passed uh, on the cross, um, we actually have a whole conversation on unity. Now, Jesus was specifically talking about unity amongst his body, unity amongst Christians, unity amongst the church. And I think that the reason why that is so critical is because we are enacting his mind. So here on earth, we are operating as his practical body. That cannot be divided. In order to do properly what God intends for his people, we actually have to work in conjunction and in unity of the same mind, same heart, same spirit. Because if you have a body with all the parts going different directions, if you have one part battling another part, for example, the very sense, and we've been dealing with this a lot uh, around our house with my wife's health, the idea of... Um, uh, uh, immunodeficiency, uh, the idea of having your body attack itself, right? So if you've ever heard of things like um, MS and um, fibromyalgia and things like that, these types of diseases are your body attacking your body. In other words, that is a disruption that is causing chaos and the whole begins to degrade. So unity as a Christian concept, especially within the body of Christ, is absolutely critical that we would not degrade or diminish the impact and power in the world by being divided, right? So first of all, that's why I think it's important. Now, how do we even define it, right? So defining unity is super, super important because when we throw out a term, is it just simple phrase, can't we all just get along? Is it simply the phrase, can't everyone be nice? I don't think just like the same thing about um, this idea of being a peacemaker. That's another one that that is kind of a Christian hallmark, right? Be a peacemaker. And it goes, well, doesn't that just mean everyone being more polite? That is incorrect. These are much deeper concepts. The, the Bible is not a wimpy book. The, the demands that it puts upon the human soul, the human body of transforming by Christ means that we actually have to put a lot of effort and difficulty into making things right that are wrong. I think unity means there is a matter of breaking down that which is wrong and a rebuilding and unifying of what is right. So in my opinion, when I talk about unity, I'm not talking about just simple us having a good conversation. I mean something deeper than that. But how would you define it? Oh, I can't hear you. Sorry, I muted myself for a second there. <laughs> I, uh, it's amazing. We've been in quarantine for 11 weeks and I still can't get muting myself right. Me um, either. 
you know, I, I said something in the sermon. I said that unity is not uniformity, that that really that that means that there is room for for different perspectives. But what unity means is that at the end of the day, we're going to be people that are motivated by love, that are motivated by peace, that are motivated by a desire to understand. And to kind of allude to something you said a moment ago, none of that is passive. And and frankly, none of that is clean. Right. right? <laughs> like yeah. it, it takes a lot of work to to sit with somebody who thinks differently than you and to seek to really understand. Now, that doesn't mean you're going to agree at the end of the day. But what it, but to to take the the effort to really try to understand somebody and to really see where they're coming from takes a lot of work. To really make real peace is a lot of work to facilitate that level of understanding is a lot of work. So I think that uh, there is there is an impulse in us, and Pastor Paul talked about this talked about this this last weekend. There is this impulse in us to divide. It's us versus them. It's and there are a million examples of that in society today, and and that's easy because acting on our impulses, it's why they're called impulses. It's not something where we have to really focus on it. We just do it naturally. But to say, okay, I want to be the sort of person who does not simply dig my heels in and again, seeks to attack or to crush those who are different than me. Now I might seek transformation, but ultimately I think that that's the sort of thing that can be motivated by love and a desire to unite. Whereas when we're divided, all we want to do is crush and suppress and, and eliminate. So I guess for me, that's an important element of, of unity is that even in our disagreements, ultimately what we're seeking is transformation. And I feel like too much of the too much of the language that is used in our society today is not the language of persuasion and loving transformation. It's the language of attacking and degrading and and trying to really crush or silence somebody, which I just I don't think is helpful. And I mean, none of us have ever been transformed by somebody trying to take that approach with us. Right. So right. I think that's where it gets gets a little bit a little bit messy. Yeah. The way that I see it, the reason why we're natural dividers as human beings. And once again, a lot of things are human nature. I don't, as I mentioned in a recent sermon, uh, yeah, it is natural to divide. We're just not merely natural because of Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit. So we're not allowed to just take that default. The reason why I believe that we're natural dividers, although I think there's a million reasons probably for division, I think a majority of them come back to a seeking of power. Mm -hmm. um, the haves, the have nots, the we versus them, the us and you, that everything that happens in middle school, <laughs> right? The idea that we structure out, the idea of stereotyping and categorizing, the idea of um, dismissal or the very idea of um, contempt for somebody else, the demeaning of other, all those are power structures. What we are trying to do is gain more power and diminish other people's power so that we have control. Yeah. So whenever you say, hey, I'm working on unity and you start to move into a demeaning manner, you've actually shifted into another power control and it's divisive all over again. It ruins the very concept. So this whole battle for power, which uh, why that's in us, I don't know if because the nature of God is the desire to... Um, advance a cause. I don't know if there's an inner engine that we all have that Satan then allowed sin to distort and make it personal ambition, right? I mean, is, yeah. that, is that what we're really fighting with right now? But I just think that we all need to realize that there aren't some people that are divisive by nature. We're all divisive by nature. 
And so what you do is you take that, you transform in it, but while you're transforming in it, you're compensating for it, you're adjusting for your bias. You realize, yes, I am part of the problem. I, if I knew what type part of the problem, I probably wouldn't do it. So I have to dig down <laughs> and figure out what part of the problem I really am. So yes. Now, one of the concepts I want to ask you briefly about was um, you you know this concept of having limits to human language, yeah. meaning that we can't seem to dialogue really what we mean. And yeah. I think that you know we say that with little kids, we say, use your words, right? When they're getting frustrated and they're throwing a tantrum. What we're saying is there has to be a better way to express your anger, your frustration, and you're lacking that. So I need you to develop that. But yeah. I don't think that stops as adults. So can you explain a little bit more about what you mean? No, it doesn't. You're absolutely right. And and I think that it is a challenge that we're that, that there are limits, like I, like you said, to to human language and the way that we're able to express ourselves. So so one thing uh, that I do is I so I, I, I teach in the communications department over at William Jessup and my class is on visual communications. But we talk a lot about communication principles and we talk a lot about persuasion. And and I talk about sort of the ethics of persuasion and and of of seeking to just you know convince somebody of your point of view. And, and to me, and I'm sure there are others that have that have said this before or said it in, in different words, that to me, one of the most important elements of real persuasion is to define others in terms that they would accept, right? So if I'm gonna maybe debate with you about something, I want to make sure that I am characterizing your position or your beliefs correctly. So that if I say, this is what you think, you would say back to me, yes, that is what I think. Now I might say, okay, here's why what, what, I, what you think is incorrect, but at least I'm defining what you believe correct. And so much of our communication in our society today is ad hominem attacks and straw man attacks and things like that. Google those terms if you don't know them, they're helpful for, to understand. And, and, and we're not defining people uh, appropriately. And then also uh, I think about uh, different terms that we throw around a lot. And frankly, I've been guilty of, of throwing them around a lot and, and it's just not helpful. So when you say, so for example, you can say something like, well, Christians need to stop believing conspiracy theories. Now that is a true statement. I think we would both agree that that is true. Right, totally. But it's an unhelpful statement because nobody yes. thinks they believe conspiracy theories, right? Right. Uh, I can say, stop believing totally biased fake news. And that's not helpful because nobody yeah. thinks they're believing totally biased fake news, right? So so the, the ability to to talk to those types of issues. And here's the thing, kind of getting around, okay, how do we identify what is a conspiracy theory? How, how can I grow intellectually so that I'm not susceptible to those kinds of things? How can I become a discerning, somebody who can discern in an engaging manner with the media or with different voices in our world? Like you can't accomplish that in a sound bite, right? That that ultimately requires a, a couple of things. Number one, it requires time. And number two, it requires trust. So I think we live in this world where we're trying to communicate all of these things, especially in our, like our social media world, to people that don't know us and don't trust us, and it doesn't work, right? So then we say things like, yes, we need to stop believing conspiracy theories, and everyone's like, yeah, all those other people need to stop doing that without realizing, you know, to what extent are we part of the problem? So um, yeah, that's where I think human language becomes limited, and it in it interferes with our ability to to really to persuade and to unite around common values and ideas. Does, does that make sense? Oh, totally. I think um, so. I think there's a huge middle. Once again, here I go, radical middle. Yep. There's a big middle between caveman and used car salesman, 
right? Because <laughs> here's what we think about. We think about the idea that I just say, ugh, and I beat you over the head with a club, that I don't, I'm not really interested in what you have to say. And then we have this weird idea that a used car salesman is always trying to say what the other person wants them to say, and they're manipulating them into somewhere. I think in the middle is something that has been historically called winsome. And even Paul the Apostle uses the concept of being winsome in our sharing of the gospel. Winsome, unfortunately, to some of our personalities like me, who I really get very uncomfortable when there's manipulative speech. I see winsome sometimes as manipulative. When in fact you go, no, 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 hold on. The very idea of properly restating someone's actual opinion, that is appropriate and that is winsome. The idea of saying, I'm going to take you from where you're at in your argument about things that you value, and I'm going to show you why your values actually are likely better served in a different position. Mm, that is good. winsome. So there are people like, um, we think about these amazing orders, people like uh, Mark Twain, who said some really brutal stuff, and he would say it winsomely. Uh, G.K. Chesterton, uh, you were highlighting earlier, he's another one of those brilliant linguists, right? Martin Luther King, one of the reasons why he was so effective is that he was winsome. If you ever read his letters from a Birmingham jail, he's in jail, he's angry as all get out, he's super sad, and yet he writes this brilliant, winsome concept on paper. And it's like, wow, this is stunning. So that idea of being winsome, of being yeah. able to share with the proper language in the proper way, in a way that someone else can receive and understand is so much more effective than shouting from across barricades. Yeah. No, that, no, yeah. Sorry, go ahead. No, that was it. Yeah. You're absolutely right about that. I think, I think, uh, to, to be winsome is absolutely critical to maintaining unity. And, and I think, cause the thing with that is I think with a winsome person, even if ultimately we might disagree about an issue or a philosophy right. or whatever the case may be, that if there is winsomeness, I don't even know if that's a word present, that there can be some sense of, okay, well, we can find a way to get along, right? We yes. Can, we don't have to be defined by our, our differences. And that's where real unity comes in is it, we come to the place where Maybe we won't be persuaded, but we can actually respect one another in the midst of right. our, our differences. Or maybe we will or will not be persuaded, but there can be a posture of kind of a willingness to learn from somebody else. I mean, kind of to your point, if I sense winsomeness uh, in you, which of course I always do, then <laughs> I am much more open to, to learning from you. Right? Yeah. So I, I need to be very clear on something. I, I have... I, I'm a weird dichotomy of I'm an extreme lover of God and people, but I'm a fighter, mm -hmm. which is super weird because I'm, I'm not telling people that you need to be winsome if you're wimpy. Yeah, I'm saying that I need to be winsome as a fighter, yeah. meaning that sometimes I get very defensive or I, or I want to lock in. I'm saying that even if you're one of those, even if you're a fighter, the idea is that it's more effective. What are we really trying to do? Yeah. It, it, one of the rules of communication is figure out what you're trying to accomplish when you start out. If you're just trying to accomplish battering someone and you really don't care of advancement, that is one set of rules. If you're actually looking to bring change, you actually have to change your structure. 
and your yeah. strategy. That means you have to be winsome. So once again, I think unity can only be had through good conversation, healthy conversation, and a matter of respect. Those things are all found in winsomeness. Now, I did want to ask you another question, Pastor yeah. Brian. Mm -hmm. um, is that in this divided thing, uh, world that we live in, where it's like we're divided over what the coronavirus should be handled by, we're divided over the issue of police versus the black community, we're divided over po party politics, we're divided, right? All these divisions. Yet I see sometimes when people take actual national polls, and let's say it's Gallup or it's uh, the Pew poll or whether or not it's some company that seems to be a little less biased, what I yeah. find is the vast majority of people's opinions rest in the middle far more into a unity place, but everything on our airwaves says that we are completely divided. So yeah. I, I'm getting a little lost here. So is what is the truth? I mean, in your yeah. opinion, is it possible that we are not as divided as we think we are? Yeah. And that's sort of the, the kind of the irony of all of this is here we are talking about division and unity. And actually, yes, I want to make that I want to make the case briefly that, in fact, we are not as divided as it as it appears. Are we divided? Yes, of course we are. But uh, not it's not as bad as we think. And to, to intro this point, I always remember this this thing. One of my favorite classes I took in college, I was a political science minor. It was this big, huge lecture with this big, famous professor, and it was a class called Public Opinion and Voting Behavior. And I guess there's some, there's some scale, and I forget what it's called, but a scale where you uh, rate individuals or politicians on a scale of one to seven. And I want to say one was extremely liberal and seven was extremely uh, conservative. And he asked us the question, he said, where do most people in America reside, do you think, on a scale of one to seven? And the correct answer was most Americans are like threes, fours, or fives. Uh, but then he said, okay, but what if you pull members of Congress? Where are they? And it's almost exclusively ones and sevens, maybe a couple of twos and sixes. And he said, you know, why is that? If the majority of Americans are not hyper-polarized, why are we represented by people who are polarized? And the reason for that is uh, who donates the money to politicians? It's other ones and sevens and twos and sixes. Uh, people like me who do not identify with a political party don't give money to politicians, right? So people that would represent my point of view can't, you know, don't have the money to run the races to get the votes and, and all of that. So what, and, and I think a similar thing is true when it comes to media, that, uh, pol that, that people who are not already very polarized don't tend to be all that interested in the most polarizing views in our world, or they're not, they don't tend to be into things like political talk radio, for example. Whereas those that are already very polarized, they're the ones that are going to listen. Which is why, like a reasonable perspective, uh, is not is not going to get you great ratings. Whereas something right. like inflammatory is, and it's pretty interesting. There was a recent study called, uh, and this is that was my long introduction to this point, that there was a study called the Hidden Tribes of America. And it surveyed a very large number number of Americans, a statistically significant uh, number, using all sorts of different different uh, questions. And it was sort of trying to get get under this this idea of are we as divided as we think we are? And what's funny, I was telling Lance this right before we came on. I had like looked into this study and was getting ready to cite it on the episode today. And then just in reading, I was doing for my own edification early this morning, uh, the book I'm reading cited the study, and I just want to read a paragraph here. Uh, it said that the research concluded 
that there is still an underlying agreement and common ground among the majority of Americans. Issues that are portrayed as deeply polarized, immigration, establishing a pathway, pathway to citizenship for DACA students, racism, or the other overuse of political correctness are in fact not so widely dissimilar. The researchers conclude that more than 75% of Americans believe our political differences aren't so great that we still can't work together to find adequate solutions. America is so much more than two tribes and our differences are not in fact so great that we cannot come together. And the author goes on to make the point that really we are on a much larger spectrum of thinking than perhaps we, we realize. And I think my point I made about the media is equally true of social media. Who are the ones that are posting about controversial issues on social media? Not those that are like, you know, I can see multiple perspectives on this issue. <laughs> like people that think that way don't tend to get involved in stuff like that. So a lot of times we can see division, 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 division. And one of the key findings of this study was it revealed what they called the exhausted majority. <laughs> That yeah. there is a majority actually in our society of people, and I would certainly put myself in this majority. I imagine I don't want to speak for you, Lance, but I bet you would as well. That, yes. that you want to see progress made on on addressing big social challenges, but you're just sort of worn out by the polarization and the argue, arguing. But that polarization and arguing is actually coming from a minority, which frankly is a bit of a relief to me. I don't know how that makes you feel. Oh yeah, for sure. Well, and I, I've always said the hand that, uh, that rocks Hollywood rules the world, right? Um, why? Because uh, ever increasingly media drives um, social action. Um, it can it can hire politicians. It can do all sorts of things. Well, uh, entertainment is actually designed on dollars, and so you end up always chase down the money. You know, always follow the money and find out what's really going on. And what I long for is leadership. And this is what I always argue for through the thought revolution: is I, I want leadership that does what's right, yeah. not what is party. Yeah. And, and, and I'm, I'm that kind of stuff just frustrates me. And I, I desperately want a good leader, not just simply a champion representative. So once again, yeah. if you're just going to pick a champion for an area, you're going to pick your most extreme champion. Yeah. Right. And yeah. then all the nation does is teeter totter and pendulum swing back and forth. Yeah. So yeah. anyway, I, I know we talked about that a ton. Um, I think I think that it is important uh, to explain a little bit to not only our audience, but probably our own brains. Right. <laughs> Uh, to talk a little bit about what unity is and what it's actually not. So the first yeah. thing I want to highlight is something you said earlier, and you also said it in the message. And so this is something that is really, really important to me. And that is, you said, unity is not uniformity. And uniformity means sameness. So unity and diversity are not mutually exclusive. As a matter of fact, I would suggest it is a far healthier place to be. And I think we've set up the church that way, right? So I, that was the that was the environment you walked into and you fed into, right? So how long have you been at Bridgeway? I can't remember. A uh, little, little over seven years. Yeah. So you have been feeding into this culture of we want differing opinions. You and I have differing opinions, yet we're still buddies. Mm -hmm. And so the idea of diversity, but being unified demonstrates it is not uniformity because everybody says, well, if I'm going to be unified with somebody, we always have to agree. You're never going to 100% agree with anybody. That just That's just not how life works. And so you have to say, no, 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 unity must be with diversity and it must not mean 
uniformity. Do you have any clarity on that piece for us? Yeah. Well, I think you just said it really well that that what we need to get get past in our minds is this idea that complete agreement has to be necessary for fellowship and community. That'll never and, happen. Yeah. The reason we go that direction, I think, and I mentioned this in the sermon, is that we tend to find our identity and our opinions. Yes. Which is really not not helpful. That when we can and when we can kind of step back and find our identity in Christ, then that's when okay, I can from a calm place we can talk about our differences or not, or just talk about something else. And I don't feel this need to, okay, everyone around me needs to agree with me all the time. And I, and I think that that's really, uh, that's, a, that's really, really important. So, uh, but that, that point of like unity not being uniformity, I, I think is critical for us to understand. Now, um, we talked about this earlier in the show, but I wonder if we can spend a few minutes on this now getting a little bit more specific. We, we talked about how we all agree that divisiveness is a problem in our world, but that most of us, if we're being totally honest, don't believe that we're part of the problem. Mm -hmm. So, so it's like I said, with the limits of human language, it's not helpful to say, Hey, everybody stop being divisive because none of us think we are right. Maybe we could just go back and forth here a little bit and talk about a few, what are some practical steps we can take to avoid fanning the flames of divisiveness in our world? Yeah. I, I, so first of all, I think that, well, so there's two sides of the same coin. So the first one is what I would deem as wisdom, which means see all points of a subject. Uh, but you, there's never just one side of an issue, right? On the other side of the coin, if you flip the coin over, it's trying to guard against being made into an extremist. <laughs> so <laughs> if that makes any sense. So what I mean is, what are the inputs that are going on in your life and what are you being discipled by? Yeah. So you're all, we're all being discipled by something. We're being trained up. We're being, we have role models, we have people and, and, and whatever your inputs are, those are primary sources of discipleship. They're forming you. So yeah. if you're, if the voices are extreme, you're going to become extreme. If the voices are wisdom, you'll tend to lean into wisdom because you're unintentionally being shaped by every one of those voices. That yeah. would be one of the, the first things. What would you add yeah. to that? I, I think the that's certainly true. And then the flip side as well is to be careful, not only watch what's coming in, is is watch what's coming out. Right. Am I, am I speaking online and in person in a way that is helpful and constructive? And I, I'm gonna, listen, I'm gonna be the first to admit, I have not held that standard at different times in my past. I think on some level, all of us have, but but I think there have been times where I've spoken uh, from an argumentative place or from a uh, really not helpful and overly critical place. And 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 I, I regret that. And really the, the, the rightness or righteousness of whatever my cause might've been is really hijacked, has been hijacked in the past, I think by just pretty irresponsible language on my part. And I wanna own that and I wanna get better at that. So, so I think even, even some just simple principles that I use in terms of my social media communication, because a lot of us have social media platforms and we all you know communicate online. So I have some pretty extreme rules that I abide by. Uh, so number one is no negative commenting ever, ever for any reason. Uh, I'm not somebody who tends to comment on social media much anyway, but uh, negative commenting does not help. So if I see a perspective I disagree with, I just move on. I don't need to, I don't need to correct. I don't like nobody is on social media to be corrected. So it's, it's pointless. So uh, again, that is my, 
that is a, a, a principle that I abide by 100%. And then also, even in my own posting, to, 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 to say this, is that there's no, no posting to try to change people's minds. Because uh, again, that's not what people are on social media for. Now, there's a caveat to that, where what I will often do, if, I, if I'm posting about a controversial issue, first of all, I really try hard to do so winsomely, and I, I do not get that right 100% of the time. If there's a controversial issue where I feel like the majority of Christians are really getting it wrong, and, and I want the, the minority who's looking at the major, majority going, oh my gosh, does everybody think this way? Is there even a place for me in Christianity, in the church, whatever, that I, I'll put something out there and that's not to try to change the mind of the majority. That's just to kind of throw a bone to the minority and say, hey, listen, I'm like, I'm with you. Like, I'm a safe person for you to process this with. So, uh, but I just try to be really careful. No negative commenting ever for any reason. And then, uh, and then with that, uh, no posting to change people's minds. Because uh, I think too often, uh, so much of what we do online, and I'm using online as an example because most of us have a larger platform online than we do in any sort of in-person conversation. So much of what's going on online is we're trying to change people's minds without getting any sort of credibility with them. And, and that really doesn't work. So uh, monitoring our speech, monitoring the way that we're, we're behaving and, and acting is absolutely critical if we're going to avoid sort of, you know, uh, inflaming divisiveness. What, what else would you add to that? Well, real quick, uh, in the spirit of unity and disagreement, okay. um, I want to I push back a little bit on your last one. I absolutely okay. agree. Please do not comment negatively about something. Like, for example, I've posted something on my page and then somebody just argued with me. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I just published this on my page. And then now you're trying to hijack the page by disagree. That's kind of odd. Um, I would the only part I would disagree on is I think uh, research and history shows that unfortunately it is changing people's minds. Social media is bending people, so the postings that are going on there are really changing people's opinions. They're they're really messing with people's heads. I think that that needs to be a bit more viewed as something to be monitored, something that needs to be stewarded well, because I do think it actually can bend people's minds. Um, you said it, well, it doesn't change anybody's. I think it does. I think that I have watched so many people forward bad information <laughs> because they thought one way and their mind was changed by an inflammatory article yeah. and then they pushed it forward. And I went, yeah. whoa, 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 you didn't believe that like five seconds ago. <laughs> so I do think that, that, um, I think maybe what you were intending to say is be very cautious and steward it well, that if you're out there assuming that everything you say is going to change everyone's opinion, you're wrong. You know what I mean? Yeah. You need I, to look at it differently. Yeah. Right. And, I, and I would agree with that. And maybe just a nuance, maybe what I, right. what I meant a little bit, a little bit better. Cause, cause I think you're right. You're yeah. It's, it's probably, it's, it's painting with too broad a brush to say, Oh, it doesn't change people's minds. Cause you're right. It right. does influence. It does influence. But I think, I guess maybe to nuance and maybe you, maybe you'd agree with this part is to say, okay, the primary motivation, if the, right. if the whole point of this is to make sure everyone who disagrees with me knows that they're wrong, that that just anything I say from that, most of what I say from that posture is really not going to be helpful. And if our primary motivation is to like, I'm going to go out there and make sure everyone who's wrong knows they're wrong, that's, yeah, not not going to be as helpful. Oh, totally. And, and the only reason I clarified is that I think you and I do this all the time. I think that the very sense of the church having a, a social media account is that we're trying to influence. 
Yeah. It, we actually use it for influence and we're hoping that there's some influence yeah. because we're not just posting to hear ourselves talk. <laughs> right? right. I already oh, know no, what I think. I'm certainly not just posting. I already know what I know. You know what I mean? Yeah. So obviously I'm trying to influence somebody. Um, but I did want to jump on to another piece that's really, really important. When you were talking about your output, about what you're doing, there's mm -hmm. something that I think is really critical. And it goes back to that simple phrase, hurt people, hurt people. Yep. And that is this idea of self-care. There are some of us that have no business in this season of our lives being on social media. <laughs> if you could picture social media as a megaphone that you're standing in the town square and yelling, there are many of us that are struggling right now in different areas of our life that we have no business shouting things from the rooftop because we're not in our right minds. Yeah. Sometimes we're speaking out of grief or loss or hurt or fear or depression or whatever it is. But when we are so tore up inside and we start speaking from that place and that platform, it's going to get yucky really yeah. fast. And then you end up spending all this time regretting later on what you just posted. So for example, I have, I know that I have a tendency to get very defensive when I feel that something's going wrong or I'm getting attacked or whatever it is. And that, that lack of peace in my spirit makes me end up saying or reacting in a way that later I regret. So I know that when I'm in a defensive place, somebody has posted something on my, you know, a lot of people post things on my social media. I can't just immediately respond. I'm not in my right mind. I am yeah. not healthy in that moment. And so I just want to encourage everybody, just because social media is a thing out there doesn't mean it's a wise thing to use at all times. Yeah. <laughs> yes, that is certainly true. And to make sure we're in the right brain space is critical. And and I think you used the word, I, I think you used the word react a, a moment ago. I, I think it's interesting in um, everything moves so fast in our world today that there can be this pressure to react in a moment. Um, I had just to speak very vaguely, I mean, after our, we did a, we did a show on Sunday night and afterwards I had some, I just saw somebody I've never met saying things about me online that are 100% not true. And there was this part of me where I just wanted to politely and kindly sort of correct the record and be like, no, what you've said about me is, is not correct. Right. But then there was like, I, I felt this really strong impulse. Like I need to say something. And then I'm like, you know what? I can just let this fade off into oblivion. It's a complete stranger saying something that's totally false about me why do I care? I guess that shows maybe just weakness in my own sense of identity that I would let something like that get to me. But what I ultimately was able to do is just to say, okay, no, no, no. I don't need to get involved there. I, I don't need to react. I, I need to just let that go. And, and whether it's something personal to us or it's a perspective that we don't agree with, I, I think the ability to just have some emotional distance and, and let things go. And then when it does, when it, 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 when it is time to speak up, to make sure we've processed that defensiveness, which I think so many of us, certainly I can, can relate to, or just even that heightened sense of emotion, whatever it may be, so that we're a little bit more sober-minded. I mean, the Bible uses that term of being sober-minded right. when, when, we're, when we're sharing, which is obviously important. Now, I wanna, I wanna ask kind of two more things for us to talk about. We've, we've talked about being part, how do we avoid being part of the problem? And I wanna close the episode with how do we be part of the solution? But before we get to that, we've talked earlier in the episode about just our sadness at just the different things we're seeing in the world. 
we talked about this idea of the exhausted majority who are just we're just tired and bummed out at the de divisiveness that we see and, and you you brought up the important point of kind of taking care of yourself in the in the midst of all of this and making sure you're communicating from a healthy place how can those of us that are feeling just sort of exhausted and weary at what we're seeing in the world right now how can we even cope with that so that we can get to a, a healthy place yeah, I, I had a, a kind of a longer conversation with my girls last night about this very issue. Um, I think we need to take, each of us have to take into consideration and be self-aware enough to see how did God design us. There are some of us that have super big hearts and we feel very yeah. deeply for people. Well, my girls are kind of like that. One's even more than the other one. Mm -hmm. And what I had to caution her on was that she was watching videos after video after video after video of pain. Mm. And because she thought that was her civic duty. The problem is I had to explain to her, honey, you being now really, really sad has not changed anything. It's not helped anybody. And ultimately you just being depressed does not allow any transformation in our society. Do we need some of it? in order for it to prick our hearts and to make us informed? Yes. Do we need to saturate in it all the time and just destroy ourselves? The answer to that is no, it doesn't actually help anybody. So I would just say that when we look out there is first of all, realize the most extreme issues are being highlighted. And so I compensate for that. The other one is I have to put in some boundaries about what's good for me in this moment and in this season. And then the issue is saying, I take it to my heavenly father. If you're a Christian, it says, do not be anxious about anything, but in all things through prayer and petition, present your request to God. So as a Christian, it is almost inappropriate to simply interact with the divisiveness around us and the hurt and the pain around us without bringing it to him yeah. and saying, Lord, we are seeing bad things go on. No matter where we're looking, we're seeing bad things. God, can you do something about this? Can you minister to my heart? Can you help me process this? Lord, how am I a part of the solution? How am I your hands and feet to bringing about justice? What ought I to do? Those yeah. are productive ways. Yeah. What do you see? Yeah, I, and I think that that's, that that's really important of asking that question of, okay, how can I contribute positively to what's going on? Because even as we're recording this live and it's broadcast live on Facebook, a, a person just left a comment that is something I've wrestled with a ton where they basically say, uh, well, yeah, okay, you can talk about detaching, but, and I'm paraphrasing their comment here, but it's, it's a privilege to be able to detach. There are a lot of people that are stuck in these things and they can't detach. And, that is correct. And I recognize that is a is a reality and i don't have a clean answer for that other than to say that i feel that tension severely that there is something that me sitting in the suburbs grieving what is going on in the world and then going to do something else is a totally different scenario than those who are are in it and can't get away from it but i think that what you just brought up is so important that it gets to a point where consuming information becomes counterproductive and just gets us to a place where we're despairing. I think to consume enough information that we have a general understanding of what's going on in a way that fits our temperament. Some of us can 
like you said, big hearted folks, like we need to be careful, right? Whereas others that are a little bit more stoic can handle more information to consume enough information to know what's going on. And then just ask the question, okay, God, how might you be calling me to get involved? Is it to pray, which I would, you know, hopefully that would be a yes for all of us. Is it to donate? Is it to get involved? Is it to attend? Uh, is it to make a call, phone call to my family member or friend who's in the law enforcement community and, and just encourage them? Like, how can I contribute productively to what's going on. So I'm not simply disengaging only to disengage, but I'm saying, okay, just getting more information is not helping me, but instead I want to get to a place of proactivity. And then also just sitting and wallowing in despair is not helpful either. That as you mentioned, Philippians 4, 6, I want to be able to pray. I want to be able to, to get involved. I want to be able to contribute positively to what's going on. So I, I think, I don't know, anything else you would add on that? I mean, I think that those are sort of my... Yeah, no, I think, I think here's deal so for those that are that are truly suffering right now i don't think their ultimate desire is uh for more people to suffer yeah just so they can feel better i think what they're actually looking for is effectiveness yeah and so anytime that we are merely doing things and not being effective or productive i don't think is actually blessing the advancement of it there are times to cry with a friend and all you're doing is crying with them yeah. And that is completely appropriate. But if I'm in my own room away from that other person, they don't know I'm crying for them. And I'm just in my own wallowing in my own self-pity and hurting. That actually doesn't bless them at all. So I think we need to re-enter. If we're going to mourn, we can mourn communally. Yeah. I think that's a bit more effective rather than just watching social media on our own, hiding in our rooms and being sad. I don't, I don't think that's the point. Uh, I, I'm mostly looking for what is productive and helpful uh, to the people that are suffering the most, what would yeah. they desire the most is what we need to be about. Yep. No, that's that is super well said, and I I, I couldn't agree more. So as we land the plane here, what are some just some basic ways that that we can be part of the solution? We live in a divided world. That even if even if the divisiveness is coming from from you know not not majority percentages of our population as we've discussed, nevertheless. Divisiveness is all around us. We're natural dividers. It's easy for us to get into being part of the problem. And we've talked about how to avoid that. How can we actively seek to be part of the solution? What are some, maybe a principle or two that you could share with us that would help us with that? Yeah, so it kind of goes back a little bit to what we said earlier. And so two sides of the same coin. One is get your heart changed. And the other one is try really hard not to make it worse. Um, because here's the thing I think most people don't understand when pastor Brian and I talk about us getting defensive and wanting to lash out, but, but don't, that's actually really hard. A lot of people are like, well, it yeah. shouldn't be this hard. No, no, no. It's really hard. And sometimes what I'm asking for people to do is to control yourself and it's really hard. And I'm saying, do that hard work. Stop reacting out of reaction. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Stop reacting yeah. out of pain. And that is very, very, very difficult. So one thing I would just say that the other one is that allow your heart to be transformed. And the best thing, like if we're going to talk about um, party politics, the best thing to do to get your heart transformed is to listen to the other side and spend time with people that don't think like you. If we're going to talk about the issue of ethnicity and racism, it is way more healthy to spend time. Uh, we did a, a video the other night and a gentleman named Adrian Ruiz put in this beautiful comment. He said, worship with people different than you, have meals with people different than you, 
uh, go to God together and listen deeply and that will transform your heart. Okay, that's what we're talking about. If we're talking about, you know, whatever it is, spend a little bit of time hearing the other voices to being able to balance out your world and seeking to understand. I think those are important. Yep. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. And and that's really, I think, the key to so much of this. And I, I do want to put one word of caution out there because there is, I think, a lot of, I hear a lot of chatter in different places about things like, oh, well, I, I listen to both sides, right? I like to get the perspective from both sides and all of that. And, and first of all, my own irritation with the term both sides being what it is, I've talked about that on numerous occasions. I will not rehash that here. I, I think part of the challenge is that when we say, okay, I'm consuming, and, and politics is the easiest example. Oh, I'm consuming information from both sides. What we often mean by that is I'm listening to both extremes. And here's the thing. They don't, both extremes are unhealthy. Right. So I'm still not fixing it. Yeah. Yeah. That doesn't help. So I think it's important to engage thoughtfully so like, I don't urge people to like, oh yeah, listen to really conservative media and really liberal media. Like that's just going to mess you up more, right? But to maybe have a conversation with somebody who, you know, hey, they're, they're a reasonable person and they are a different, they have different political views than me, or they're a reasonable person and they are of a different religious faith than I am, or they're a reasonable person and they have a different perspective on whatever, parenting their kids, doing their job to have a conversation where you listen without the need to correct and you listen and try to understand, what that does is it starts to humanize situations and we start viewing people less as like a collection of ideology, uh, ideological beliefs and we start seeing right. people as people and yes. we recognize that we're all complex and that that can, can and there can be just a greater sense of empathy that, that we all have. So uh, you and I both do a lot of talking. <laughs> <laughs> but I think yes. that we both recognize the importance of listening, the impor yes. importance of getting outside of our own sort of cultural bubble, the importance of cultivating curiosity, right? Yes. Like if you want to be a more thoughtful human being, become curious about the world around you. That's something I'm yes. constantly working on. That if we can do those things, then we can actively be part of the uh, part of the solution. I almost said part of the problem. We can be part of the solution and not part of the problem, right? Yeah, no, I think that's beautifully said. I know that we're landing the plane here, so I don't want to add too much more. I, I do want to just uh, ping on one thing that you said that I think is so powerful, and that is remembering these are not theoretical issues. These are issues that deal with people. Yeah. And so no matter what issue we're talking about, um, I was listening to a lot of banter about coronavirus, and, and I wasn't hearing a lot of compassion for people yeah. um, on either side. Um, when it comes to party politics, uh, we have to remember that there are people that these policies impact. Yeah. And when we're talking about uh, issues of police and issues of racism, these are real people that we're talking about. Yep. And so whatever we do, please remember that there are human lives behind that. And a lot of times there's kiddos that are involved. Yep. So let, let's just remember, it's not just theory. Yep. Absolutely. That's yep. well said. So, all right. Well, thank you uh, all of you for listening. Thank you, Lance, for the conversation and the insight today. Thanks to our guy, Lucian Hughes, who is going to get this audio from me and make it sound beautiful before it goes up on the interwebs. Appreciate you very much. And once again, thanks to all of you for listening. Really appreciate you being part of the pod podcast and participating. Uh, we'll see you in two weeks for another episode of Engaging Culture. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Engaging Culture, a podcast by Bridgeway Christian Church. 
If you enjoyed the show, please consider subscribing and leaving a review on iTunes. Thank you so much for listening. Music is used under the Creative Commons license and is provided by Dexter Britton.